Welcome, one and all, to the first ever Sunday Size Up, although it really should be kind of named after a Monday somehow because I'm doing this so early on Monday mornings. Uh, but the concept still stands. It's after the game Sunday. Uh, we're kind of recapping the week, checking in on everything that's going on around the NBA, giving a few gambling and futures updates, and giving a few fantasy basketball updates as well. Basically, everything that we did on the season previews, we're checking in on and giving some updates, giving some new looks, giving some stuff like that. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about quickly today was uh, I brought up on our last episode of the opening week reactions how I've watched a ton of Warriors games and obviously in my entire life I watch basically every game Steph plays as whenever I can and this season things just looked off things just didn't look right Draymond doesn't look like he's fitting in well there looks to be some issues there I still still cannot quite put my finger on it. But as we were recording that episode uh, was when they got blown out by Phoenix. Clay got ejected, and they moved to 2-2 two and two on the season. It's like, okay, it's early, whatever. They come back with a nice win over the Miami Heat the next day. But then they dropped two games in a row this weekend on Saturday and Sunday on the road against Charlotte and Detroit, two of the very worst teams in the Eastern Conference, and including an overtime loss to Charlotte. And it's just it's, – I still do not know what it is. I have no clue. Uh, what the exact issue is, the tone is, but there is something wrong. Steph is playing up to Steph's standards, but the rest of the team just isn't gelling like it used to. The defensive identity isn't there. James Wiseman has been playing okay, but he's not, like, fitting in, like, glue like we all thought he would. It just, like, Moody and Kaminga aren't getting a ton of minutes. I don't know. I, I really wish I could give you, like, some real analysis but it is a little scary. Things just don't look great. Maybe they're just taking it easy all in the season. They know they're going to be there in the playoff race. I really just, I'm just slightly concerned. It just isn't the same Warriors basketball that I've watched for the past eight years. It's something to keep, keep an eye on. There's no reason a Warriors team should ever lose two games like that. So keep your eye on that for sure. Um, another thing from the week that I thought was interesting, the last podcast we gave a lot of uh, love to the Jazz for a crazy good start. They're still now 5-2 and two on the season, which is incredible for them. I don't understand how they got to this point, but it's very good. But another team that's up there that we didn't talk about last time is the Spurs, who are now also 5-2. and two. Just beat a Minnesota Timberwolves team, who a lot of people like. They just beat Chicago this weekend, another Eastern Conference team. We're not that high on, but a solid team. They beat Minnesota or they've actually beaten Minnesota twice already this year. They beat Philly, which we gave them credit for. But we said this team stinks. I mean, and it does stink. In this win over Minnesota, they didn't even have Devin Vassell, who's like a, their best player besides Kelton Johnson. And I like Vassell a lot. They didn't have Josh Richardson. They're running out Romeo Langford, Kata Bates Diop, and they're just beating teams. Like Doug McDermott had 23 points off the bench. I just. This is Greg Popovich, like a masterclass. I don't think it's going to hold out throughout the rest of the year. It just simply can't. But, man, it reminds you just how good of a coach Greg Popovich is because what he's doing with just no talent on his roster at all is absolutely incredible. They lost opening night to Charlotte and have been 5-1 and one since. That's just crazy stuff. A team that everyone thought was tanking, a team that should be tanking, a team that probably – the, the front office wants them to tank and didn't think it would be possible for Popovich to churn out wins. Uh, but still, similar vein as Utah, I don't see it continuing. I just don't think they have enough talent. But it's definitely been interesting to watch for sure. And I'm going to be watching more Spurs games than I thought, definitely. Uh, another thing, 
I thought has been very interesting uh, have been the Clippers, a team that I had to win the Western Conference, uh, a team that we really didn't talk about in overseas and uh, uh, the opening week reactions. They're not good. They're 2-4 and four in the season now. Kawhi Leonard is an absolute mess. He's been hurt. He hasn't been doing anything. Uh, the Clippers won their first two games of the year, started 2-0, and and then have lost now four straight. Kawhi started coming off the bench and, like I said, is now out. Who knows what he's re-aggravated? Who knows why they were working him back so slowly in general in the first place? Paul George has missed games. Their whole team, they, they're a team that they need to throw into the fire. They need to learn what's going to work. They have so many, so many quality NBA bodies. They all have to play together. And if they don't start gelling early in the season now, they're not going to be ready for a late season push. And I'm not worried about them at all. Because again, like I said, they have so much talent. Whether or not they lost two games to Oklahoma City in a row, that was a little embarrassing. But again, most of their team were out for those games. So I'm not like holding it completely against them. And they have losses to New Orleans and Phoenix, two very good teams. But it's just something that is concerning because this team, like I said, needs to gel. They need to figure out what's going to work. And if they don't figure it out by the playoff uh, by playoff time, it's going to be a thing like the Yankees. The Yankees, they didn't know who their leadoff hitter was. They didn't know who their shortstop was going into the AL freaking CS. And that's just not how a good organization runs. I think they'll be fine. they got to get Kawhi back. I don't know if he's like actually hurt again, similar stuff, but – at this point, it's concerning. I don't know if it's going to be a problem moving forward. I don't know if it's just a minor injury for Kawhi. But if it's like a lingering thing from now two years from the last time he played basketball, they're in a lot of trouble. And I keep picking them to win the West, and I'm an idiot for it, but I'm going to ride them. I think they'll figure it out. But just something I have noticed uh, from the last week. Another thing, we, we somehow just do not mention this team at all. It's kind of crazy. But I mean, the Bucks are now 5-0. and They haven't had Chris Middleton all year. Giannis is dominating, and yet I don't think they get any any uh, headlines around the league. It's crazy. They beat Philly on their first game on Thursday night of the first week. Then they come down. They, uh, they return home. They have a five-game homestand. They beat Houston, beat Brooklyn, beat New York, and beat Atlanta. All, like, okay teams. Houston, obviously, not as much but a team I like very much and a team that fought them pretty hard. Uh, they're playing at uh, Detroit tonight, a team that they should win, so they're probably going to start 6-0. and And yet, no headlines. Giannis dominating as usual. Let's take out uh, Giannis's stats so far in the year. He's averaging 34 a game, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.7 blocks, decent percentages, free throw 61%. Not great, but not game-breaking either. He's shooting 35% from three, which for Giannis, that's not bad at all. It's just another crazy, crazy season for Giannis. I'm going to bring him up a little bit later on the podcast to talk about him, but it's just crazy what they're able to do without their second-best player in Chris Middleton, and they're just still dominating teams in the NBA. It's like they still have the same roster pretty much as last year. It's nothing different, but it's just a well-oiled machine at this point. They know exactly what they're doing on offense. They know exactly what they need to do on defense. Brooke Lopez has kind of looked re, uh, rejuvenated a little bit, He's averaging 3.6 blocks a game. I think he's leading the league in that category. He's shooting the three well at 35%, somewhere to be honest, which is crazy. He's averaging 14 points, six boards. Like he's, he was a guy like two years ago, you thought when they won the finals was a huge part in the way he played. And last year, he just didn't look the same. So if you add like a healthier, more versatile Brooke Lopez back to the mix, along with Chris Middleton, whoever comes back, I do not see how this team doesn't win the East. I know the Celtics are good. We don't need to talk about them today, but I just 
they, the Bucks took them to seven without Middleton. I think that was more of a year from like the Celtics, like team of destiny type vibes last season. I think Giannis is going to come back hungry and find a way to win this conference this year and probably the whole damn thing. Uh, moving on. Uh, that's kind of all the teams I wanted to touch on. Um, I know there's some other, obviously, good teams out there. The Knicks, I could say a few things about. They started out 3-1, and one, and I could have been gushing on this podcast, but they obviously have lost two in a row now. They're 3-3. Three and three. They lost to two good teams, so it's whatever, but um, just love to see my Knicks. Jalen Brunson, man, has looked absolutely incredible. He's been able to kind of uh, take some pressure off of Julius Randle, which I talked about on the last pod, and it's just changed the whole team dynamic. Julius just doesn't feel like the weight of the whole city is on his shoulders, and I think that weighed on him last year, and whether he handled handled it well or not last year, I don't even care. I was always kind of the last person defending him. I thought he was in such such a bad spot last year, but bringing in Brunson, which I was high and down on a bunch of times, it's it's really really good to see the, the impact he's had on this team, and I have really really high hopes for him. Um, Philly has won two games since we last recorded. We thought there was really really problems down in Philadelphia, but I think they're figuring things out slowly. Uh, Doc Rivers was on the hot seat, but I think they're going to be fine. And then one last team I kind of want to talk about is the Cleveland Cavaliers, because I can't talk about them enough. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's pace we talked about at the first uh, podcast. He's now still averaging crazy numbers. He's still averaging 32, seven assists, four rebounds, and stepping in for Darius Garland, who has that eye injury very, really, very well. But we know Darius Garland's a huge, uh, like a very good player. So whenever he comes back, as long as they gel fine, which I think they will, they're going to keep this up. And I think Cleveland's going to be like a really, really good team that you don't want to mess with. Mobley has been incredible down low. Jared Allen's been his usual self. Levert has looked really good this year. He had a 41-point game the other night. He's averaging 15. And he's averaging like seven assists, which is crazy. Uh, helping Donovan Mitchell in that aspect, making up for Darius Garland. They're just a really, really solid basketball team. And they, they're a top contender in my eyes at this point. They just have so much talent, so much depth. I don't know if they're as good as Milwaukee and Boston, but I think you could argue they're the third best team in the East right now. Uh, Philly's not there where they should be. Miami, who I could talk about, um, who I'm always high on, but Miami just doesn't look good this year. They're 2-5. and five. Tyler Hero's coming, off, uh, coming into the starting lineup, and things just don't seem to be working there. Kyle Lowry's not good. Jimmy Butler can only do so much. I think their run of like dominance is probably over. I still think they're going to be a threat if they come into the postseason, but I don't see them winning the East anytime soon. So I might put Cleveland, like, my third best team in the East at this point. I really think they're scary. I really think they have exactly what you're looking for in a solid basketball team, and it's going to be really interesting. Um, other than that, I'm going to just give a quick shout-out to Phoenix, a team I wasn't very high on, 5-1. and one. DeAndre Ayton's hurt. They're uh, fighting through a lot of stuff. It's such a, such an interesting situation, but Hey, they're fighting through everything. They're at the top of the West with Portland, who lost Dame. We talked about Dame, uh, Portland and Dame's rise in the first podcast. They're still continuing. They only lost one game this year. Very, very awesome for them. And then the Lakers, down there, 1-5. and There's only so much I can say. We talked about it last pod. They're just a disaster. All right, I'm going to move on into some sort of futures looks, check in on the awards markets, see if there's anything of note that I want to talk about. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was kind of the jazz and their impact on these awards markets. Uh, you look at first most improved player and I mean, it's the usual suspects. There's not really some groundbreaking alternate, like alternate 
um, options for this award that have popped up. It's still Tyrese Maxey. It's still, uh, uh, who is it? Let me pull it up. Uh, still Tyrese Maxey, still Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, like the normal suspects. Desmond Baines jumped up. He's had a great start to the year. But then you see Laurie Markin at plus 900. And people are obviously betting on this because he's had a great start to the year. And the Jazz have had an obviously good start to the year. But assuming they fall back to earth, there's no value in that at all. Like, it's absolutely crazy. I know Ryan Rosillo was somebody I, I think it was Ryan Rosillo or it was KOC or someone I really, really value their opinions on, tweeted out, like, hey, like, Laurie's plus 2,000 in the most improved market. Like, it's just too early in the season. We're overreacting to, like, six games. There's no way the Jazz are going to keep up this pace. I'm sorry. They're, they might be a better than we thought, but I, they just can't make the playoffs. I absolutely can't see it. They're eventually going to trade guys away. And by that point, I don't think there's any value in betting on Laurie Markin at plus 900. And the same goes for in the coach of the year. Uh, the favorite right now is Will Hardy. And I get why he is, because right now, if the playoffs started today, sure, he's a top two seed. And, like, it makes sense that he would win that award. But we're projecting the rest of the season here. Will Hardy, I mean, the Jazz cannot keep up this pace. So assume, they'd have to be a top three seed for him to win this award, basically. Even with them making the playoffs wouldn't be enough. And I just do not see how people would be betting on Will Hardy as the favorite for this award. The other top three is Willie Green, Joe Mazzula, and J.B. Bickerstaff, three guys we gave out on the preseason pod for Coach of the Year, which is exciting. So maybe that's a little biased coming in, but I think those guys are doing way, way uh, just, or I should say, just as good of a job as Will Hardy right now. And you just have to account for the fact that they're going to fall back to earth and eventually Will Hardy won't even be a discussion for this award. That's a way, way too much of an overreaction, early overreaction, if you ask me. Uh, the other interesting one is the MVP markets. Uh, Luca was the favorite coming into the year. He's now still the favorite at 330. Um, John Morant and Jason Tatum have kind of solidified themselves in the top four of MVP voting because, I mean, John Morant, what he's been doing early in the year has been incredible. He's now plus 800. Jason Tatum plus 900. You can't say enough about what he's doing. He's averaging over 30, north of 30 a game, doing all the little things and helping Boston stay afloat with all the turmoil they had this offseason. Uh, Joel Embiid's kind of fallen out of the race, and rightfully so. He's now he's still top five, but he's plus 1,500. He's in the fifth on the leaderboard. And, I mean, it's, it's tough to overcome such a bad narrative to begin the year. Um, I mean, where everyone's shitting on Philly, Embiid wasn't playing well in the first few games. And they're likening it to some off-season problems he had. He had some plantar fasciitis. He couldn't get in great shape. And yet, yeah, like, that's all well and good. But when you're looking at a market like this, I feel like that's going to linger for a while. Like, he'd have to play at the top of his game for a long time to kind of write that wrong and get everyone to stop thinking about that because it's always going to linger in the back of voters' heads. Like, well, he started bad, like, I don't know if he, I don't know if this should be his award to win. Like he wasn't playing good all year. And even if it's wrong, even if like the first five games is such a small sample size, like if he did this in the middle of the year, it probably wouldn't be as big of a deal as it is for how he's starting the year, but it's definitely going to impact things. Um, so I don't know if he, even though he was my pick and my bet, it doesn't look good. Uh, I still hold out hope that he can find things and make things work and get Philly back to the top of the East, but definitely doesn't look good. Um, Giannis, who's now right behind Luca, is plus 350 to Luca's 330. I mean, to me right now, he's the MVP. I think Luca is getting the buzz because he's putting up crazy scoring stats, but Giannis' impact on winning 
I find it hard to believe Giannis is not going to win his second MVP if things continue the way they are now. Luka can only do so much, especially with his team being 3-3 three and three, towards the bottom of the Western standings uh, in terms of playoff race, whereas, again, the Bucks are undefeated. Giannis is winning that award if this season ends today. And I get it, they're projecting towards the end of the season. They're assuming the Mavs kind of figure things out, but I don't think they're that talented. I could see them being a 5-6 seed again. Like, it's not that crazy to think about, whereas I find it hard to believe the Bucks are not going to be the one seed. And if Giannis is playing the way he does right now, to me, he is the MVP of the league. There's no question about it. Um, so that's kind of the big things I wanted to bring up on the awards markets. Nothing too crazy. Rookie of the year, uh, Palo's now minus 300, which is, I mean, he's been dominating. It makes sense. Benedict Matherin, who Kyle brought up in the preseason pod as a possible play, he's now the second favorite at plus 450. And basically no one else has been in contention. Jaden Ivey's played well. Jabari Smith's okay. Keegan Murray's played okay. But they're all plus a thousand or more. Right now, it's a two horse race and basically a one horse race. And then, sixth man is basically a two horse race as well. Jordan Poole is now the favorite at plus 150, which again, I've brought up my Warriors points. If they're a little bit messier than people think, Jordan Poole hasn't been great to start the year. It does surprise me that he's leaped so far ahead when he was already plus like 300 to start the year. Christian Wood has taken over the number two spot, who this podcast will be rooting for. Like hell, he is now plus 380 and had a decent start to the year. But the, again, the Mavs haven't been great. So that'll be an interesting two-horse race. No one else is even really in contention at all for that award right now. Malcolm Brogdon's had an okay start for the Celtics. But again, that's somebody I do not see winning this. Russell Westbrook's plus three, uh, 3,500 in the top five, which is funny. But no way. No way that's happening. All right. So that'll kind of wrap up that segment. And then real quick to close out the podcast. I kind of just want to give out a couple names in the fantasy basketball landscape that you got to keep your eye on for the next week or so. Should be adding to all teams and all formats. Uh, the first one, never thought I'd be saying this. Uh, Bull Bull is like, he matters in fantasy basketball. He matters in real life a little bit too. He's been starting for the Magic, and if you watch as many Magic games as I do, you notice that he's like been playing pretty well, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Bull Bull has kind of taken over Mo Bamba's spot, spot as like a spot starter at center alongside Wendell Carter and getting a lot of minutes off the bench too. And he's doing really, really well with those opportunities. He's averaging 11 points per game this year. He's averaging seven rebounds. He's getting you two and a half blocks, which is incredibly valuable. Obviously, I've mentioned it so many times in fancy basketball stuff. Blocks are a winnable category. If you had a guy like Bull Bull to your lineup, you're automatically in contention there. He's hitting threes occasionally. He's literally just a Mobamba light at this point, and he's he might be a better uh, fantasy basketball asset than he ever was, just because of his height and his ability to do basically everything um, alongside Mo. It's interesting that he's won that spot because, like I said, they're very similar. But he's somebody you got to add. The way he can contribute to a fantasy basketball team is awesome. The way he's contributing to the Magic is awesome. I'm just glad he's like matters in the NBA because it's awesome, and he's a freak on the court. So it's really really cool to see. Um, another one. Um, this is kind of a little bit late to the party, but still, you gotta kind of gotta add him for the impact he's had to start the year. Um, is Dennis Smith Jr. He's kind of looked like uh, his lottery pick billing so far to open the year. He's filling in for Lamelo Ball in Charlotte. He's averaging twelve points, six assists, a three, nearly two steals a game, and four rebounds. And he's doing a great job as a fill-in point guard for them. I and mean, who knows how long he's going to be playing? Terry Rozier's missed time. Lamelo has the ankle issue. And for however long he's going to be the starting point guard in Charlotte, 
he needs to be on a fantasy basketball roster. He does everything well. His percentages aren't great, but he's not going to kill you. And it's, I don't want to say it's great to see because he's never been this good on the Knicks for the time he was there, but it's still pretty cool. And you never want to see a lottery pick like that fail completely. So it's nice to see Dennis Smith kind of bounce back well. Um, last name I wanted to bring up, uh, this one's more personal, uh, Jock Landau. Uh, a lot of people, when DeAndre Ayton was rumored to be missing some time, all right, all right let's have Bismack Biombo. We're getting, we're getting a ton of blocks. We're getting a ton of rebounds, and we're getting some good field goal percentage right away. And you're not wrong. That's the first thing you should think of. Uh, and Bismack kind of came through in his first start. He had five blocks last night. But I think the player with the long-term ad, the long-term potential, I brought it up on last year's segment of – dynasty watches is jock landau he was on the spurs last year but now he's kind of the backup center and like backup power forward for the suns he's an nbl guy why i like him so much and he has such a versatile game in 23 minutes last night in his first game without deandre ayton he had 16 points seven rebounds a block and a steal in only 23 minutes um but that's not the big thing because his minutes didn't really change uh from when deandre Ayton went down bismack kind of took most of deandre ayton's minutes Landell had a slight bump, but he was already putting up solid numbers. Like he's averaging 10 points on the year, nearly a block per game, five five rebounds, and he hits threes at a nice clip as well. Great percentages. He's just a really solid all-around player. He basically should have uh, been a part of a, a bronze medal winning team for the Australian Olympics. He had to come play in the NBA, so he wasn't able to contribute as much as he wanted to that team. I still think they gave him a medal for uh, the way they made it through the group stage and whatnot, but Landell is such a good player, and if he ever gets solid minutes, and this is the closest he's been, and he's contributing, he's worth a stash in all your leagues. He's worth a spot on your roster for at least the next week or two with no eight, and you'll get to see him play. You'll really get to see uh, some good stuff out of uh, the Aussie Boomer, so that kind of wraps up that segment as well. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing on these uh, weeks where we're not recording. I'm going to kind of hop on here Sunday nights, Monday mornings, just kind of check in on everything that's going on. Um, for now, though, you can stay tuned to us at at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for everything else that we've got going on. The Fantasy Football Podcast is in full gear. The QB rankings are in full gear. The Hoop Fiends will be back pretty much every other week, I'd say. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned to that for everything we got going on. And we will catch you guys next time. Holy shit. That's one in five.